the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Friends, welcome to worship at Morrisville Presbyterian Church, whether you are a longtime member or visiting with us in worship for the very first time. We welcome you. No matter where you are on your journey of faith, no matter how far you feel like you have fallen, you are welcome here at Morrisville Presbyterian Church. Welcome home. It's a delight to worship with you this day. We welcome to our pulpit today the Reverend Abigail Visco Russert. Abigail is the director of the Institute for Youth Ministry at Princeton Theological Seminary. She is a dear friend of mine and also led our women's retreat back in 2018. We thank you for being here today, Abigail, and we are grateful for her presence with us in worship. My friends, today is Palm Sunday, when the streets of Jerusalem were full of people, when cloaks and palms were laid out for Jesus' arrival. If you have your bulletin in front of you, you will notice that we have a number of Holy Week services laid out for you in the coming week. We begin our journey this week in Holy Week. On Thursday evening, we will gather at 7 p.m. over Zoom for our Maundy Thursday service of worship. We have done it this way before, folks. We did it this way last year, and we will do it again. And we will pray to God we will not be doing it again next year. But 7 p.m. on Maundy Thursday, we hope you will join us. Together we will celebrate Holy Communion as we remember the last meal that Jesus had with his disciples. On Friday, as we remember Jesus' final words before his death, we invite you to take advantage of this very virtual season of worship and worship with another congregation at some point during the day. Later this week, we will be sending out an email with links to both our Thursday evening worship and several options for worship on Friday. And next Sunday, Easter Sunday, we will be gathering at 6.15 in the morning in the Memorial Garden for an Easter sunrise service. We will be wearing masks and man maintaining social distance, but that will not stop us from celebrating the resurrection together as God's people. If you plan to join us, please bring a lawn chair, but if you would like to attend and have difficulty carrying a chair or even making your way on your own to the Memorial Garden, rest assured we will have people ready to assist you in whatever way is needed to get you there for worship. Next Sunday, we also hope you will join us for worship online. It will be available throughout the day as we celebrate, together as God's people, the good news of Christ's resurrection. Beloved Church, as we worship this day and in the week to come, may we seek to understand God and God's love for the world more fully. May we open ourselves to be transformed by the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. And through our worship, may we be a people more fully prepared for service in God's kingdom. Friends, welcome to worship. Let us worship God together. Please join me in your bulletin as in our call to worship. Look, your king is coming, humble and riding on a donkey. Hosanna to the son of David. Lay your cloaks before him, spread palms to honor him. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Raise your voices, lift your hearts, rejoice, our Savior comes. Hosanna in the highest.
friends, as we enter into Holy Week, we are faced with the mixed emotions of praising our Savior and recognizing how we have turned away from Him. So let us take the time now to reflect on our actions and confess where we have fallen short, trusting in the abundant mercy and grace of God. Let us confess our sins using the prayer of confession as it is printed in your bulletin, followed by a time for silent confession. Suffering God, the way of the cross is a hard road. It is draining, it is demanding, it is fraught with danger. You ask us to stay by your side as you walk toward cavalry. But weariness and fear overtake us. Like the first disciples, we are quick to betray you, to deny you, to abandon you. Forgive us, God, and strengthen us for the journey ahead. As darkness gathers, renew our faith, fill us with hope, and startle us with your grace. Friends, in a time where certainty about what is right and wrong is hard to come by, hear the good news of the gospel. Christ came into the world not to condemn the world, but that the world should be saved. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children. Walk in love as Christ loved us. In Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. Thanks be to God. Amen. Hello there, young friends. It is great to be with you again. I'm wondering if you can notice anything different in the sanctuary this morning. Do you see anything that normally is not here? Well, when I came into the sanctuary this morning, I noticed that there was a bunch of coats and blankets on the floor. And we don't normally do that. And the reason why there's a bunch of coats and blankets on the floor, one, is because Pastor Rachel and I put them there. And two, the reason why we put them there is because today is Palm Sunday. On Palm Sunday, we remember the story of Jesus entering into Jerusalem. And when Jesus entered Jerusalem, the people were so excited that they kind of threw a parade. They put their coats and blankets down on the dirt road so that way Jesus wouldn't get dirty. And they also were so excited that he was coming that they waved palms in the air, like these palms. It was a way for them to celebrate together. And sometimes on Palm Sundays, we like to parade together in the sanctuary and, and put our palms together in the air. But unfortunately, we couldn't do that this year. So instead, 
we put the coats down and the, the blankets down so that way we could still remember this story about how the people were so excited that Jesus came into Jerusalem, that Jesus came into their lives. And Palm Sunday also kicks off Holy Week. It's the week that we have heard about before, especially last week when Pastor Rachel showed us her Easter basket with the eggs. And you have your own Easter basket with eggs too. And this week, your egg would be a palm branch. And there's also more eggs to come. And I hope that you'll join us throughout this week as we go towards Easter, the end of Holy Week. I hope you'll join us with your Easter eggs and with your Lenten map and also the services that we have the rest of this week so that way we can grow and celebrate together. Do you think you could do that? All right. Let us pray. Repeat after me. God, we thank you for entering our lives. And we pray that we remember you this holy week. Amen. Until next time, young friends. Let us pray. Christ our Lord, as we consider palm branches waved, we yearn for your triumphal entry, not only into the world, but into our hearts. Help us find ourselves in your word today, and help us hear your prayers of anguish as echoes of our own prayers even as we look toward your triumphal resurrection. Amen. Friends, it is a blessing to be with you this morning. Thank you for your warm welcome. Let us listen for God's word today as I read from our scripture, from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 14, verses 32 through 42. They went to a place called Gethsemane, And he said to his disciples, Sit here while I pray. He took with him Peter and James and John and began to be distressed and agitated. And he said to them, I am deeply grieved, even to death. Remain here and keep awake. And going a little farther, he threw himself on the ground and prayed that if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. He said, Abba, Father, for you all things are possible. Remove this cup from me. Yet not what I want, but what you want. He came and found them sleeping, and he said to Peter, Simon, are you asleep? Could you not keep awake one hour? Keep awake and pray that you may not come into the time of trial. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. And again, he went away and prayed, saying the same words, and once more he came and found them sleeping, for their eyes were heavy, and they did not know what to say to him. He came a third time and said to them, Are you still sleeping and taking your rest? Enough. 
The hour has come. The Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Get up. Let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. 
Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. For you are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Have you ever found it difficult to pray? We are in the Gospel of Mark all year this year, and the Jesus who we meet in Mark is quite partial to prayer. Mark 1.35, in the morning while it was still very dark, he got up and went out to a deserted place, and there he prayed. Later in Mark 6, he took the five loaves and the two fish, he prayed over them, he blessed them and broke them. Mark 11:24 So I tell you whatever you ask for in prayer believe that you have received it and it will be yours. Today Mark takes us into Gethsemane and many of us have heard this story of an anguished praying Jesus before. Today Jesus moves in and out of prayer checking three times to see if his friends will linger, if they will sit with him in this moment of grief and pain. If the Jesus who we meet in Mark is partial to prayer, then the disciples we meet in Mark are perhaps not known for their praying. And while I can't find anything in the gospel that suggests that the disciples are against prayer in any way, we simply don't get to see them do it. Today, in Gethsemane, the inner circle, the people closest to Jesus, they struggle to pray. Jesus asks his friends directly to pray with him, and they fall asleep. Have you ever found it difficult? Have you ever struggled to pray? It's jarring for me to think about the summer when I struggled to pray. One of many seasons in which I've struggled to pray. The context was my very short stint as an intern chaplain in a hospital. I struggled to pray that summer because I didn't really know what to do with all the grief. Some would call it stacked grief, grief upon grief in my life, coupled with my job, in which I had a unique encounter with grief. In every doorway I lingered, in every room in the hospital into which I walked. But it's jarring to think about it and to tell this story because it's a, a pre-COVID story of a hospital room. It's about a time when people could gather in hospital rooms, a time before the stacked grief of pandemic became part of our shared story. The feeling in the hospital room that day it was a far cry from joy. I was in the hospital room because a teenager who was washing dishes after dinner suddenly fell on the floor and she was rushed into the emergency room. The family didn't expect to end up in the neurological intensive care unit. They didn't think that they would be hearing phrases like ruptured brain aneurysm or medically induced coma. There's not much that can prepare a parent for a decision about whether or not to keep a daughter on life support. But there we were. They, 
the family in shock, and I, the young chaplain. We spent two days looking back. It was just two days in the intensive care unit, surrounded by beeping machines and neighboring rooms that were filled with silence. Most of the patients in a neurological intensive care unit are sedated in some way. Traumatic brain injuries and aneurysms often require surgery, and they also require what feels like an endless amount of waiting, waiting for any sign of change or sign of life. The family members of this patient were the ones who broke the silence. As Talia, we'll call her Talia, laid sedated in her hospital bed, family members and friends poured in and out of that room. Her mom, we'll call her Alina, remained a constant fixture by her side. I remember having to assure Alina that it was okay to leave her daughter for just a moment if she needed to go to the bathroom. Talia was young. She was headed to college. Soon she was filled with hopeful anticipation for the future. She was surrounded by a supportive family. She was in love. She simply defied the statistics of who usually suffers from a ruptured brain aneurysm. Over and over again, Talia's family expressed their shock. Other than doctors and nurses, I was the only stranger in the room during the hospital stay. I became a vessel for the stories of her life. I heard about Talia's gentle personality, her generosity, how she was learning to bake. She was the helper in the family system and help she did with things like the dishes. On a day like any other, in the middle of dinner when she was doing what she always did, helping her family clean up, Talia collapsed. There were no warning signs, save a, a headache earlier that day. Her presence in that hospital bed was almost unimaginable. Now this was by far the youngest patient that I'd had on my unit that summer. I remember walking out of the hospital building on that day and that the ICU was in one building and I had to walk to another one. It was the sweltering August heat in Philadelphia. The city grates were spitting hot air at me as I made my way to the main hospital building to grab my purse. It was not the first time that I had shed tears while walking down the street after leaving my assigned building, but it was the first day when I audibly sobbed in front of store owners and evening commuters. Sometimes tears come more easily than prayers. The next day when I walked in, I immediately spotted the telling look on the doctors and nurses' faces. We were going to lose this one. We stood holding hands in a circle. After Alina made the decision to turn off the machines that were singularly sustaining Talia's life. I remember earlier in that summer, I had asked my boss how to pray. He had taught me a prayerful technique for patients who couldn't verbally communicate because they were sedated in some way. So I was praying that summer, but the way that I was praying most often, I guess, was standing 
in those doorways, standing in hospital rooms and doing what my boss had told me, just breathing in and breathing out, directing prayerful silence in the space. I tried to be as present to sedated patients as possible, but this family looked at me when they unplugged their beloved daughter and they wanted me to pray out loud. Jesus said to them, I am deeply grieved, even to death. Remain here, keep awake, and pray. It seemed too sacred of a moment for me, the young pastor in training, to take up words. I had prayed with them the day before, but on that day, our prayers were held together by hope and happy memories. I wanted to honor the moment that we were sharing on this day as we waited for Talia's breath to run out. It was not a moment of hope. We held hands in silence. We lingered. It can take time for the breath of life to leave a body. I struggled with the words. Ultimately, I cannot remember the words that I prayed that day. I'm not sure that they really mattered. I remember that tears fell. I remember that at some point we recited the Lord's Prayer. I remember that we did not rush away from that moment. We held our circle and each other's hands as her breath ran out. I've often revisited the vivid memory of that hospital room where our sustenance was the stories told. And I wonder, I wonder about the hospital rooms that are different now, the rooms even in our homes that are different now. Are they more quiet? than the ICU of that summer so long ago. I wonder about the stacked grief that each of us carries in this season. I wonder about the critical distance we have kept in many ways from each other's stories. Perhaps we long like Jesus to have friends who will stay and wait with us, who will hold a literal circle of prayer we long for a world that doesn't seem so far from our reach, so asleep to our struggle. I'm not sure where you see yourself in the gospel text today. Perhaps your grief is stacked. Maybe you're longing for the joy, the Easter joy that feels like it's just around the corner. It's promised to us at the end of the journey we go on this week to the cross. Maybe you're sick of being surrounded by sickness and death. Are you struggling to pray? Would you give anything to sleep this season away? Or do you find yourself maybe in the anguished prayers of Jesus, longing for your friends to keep watch, to stay in communion, to hold space with you. Jesus knows what it's like to hold a grief that is private and lonely. Jesus embodies the distance that we feel. 
And Jesus today models an appropriate response to grief, an appropriate response to the darkness in which we find ourselves. Prayer. Darkness is for praying. If you're anything like me, then for the last year you have longed for joy to break through some of the sadness, some of the darkness. Sometimes it takes joy a little bit of time or a lot of time to surface in the wake of grief. I know that you as a community are studying Barbara Brown Taylor right now. She says this, new life starts in the dark. Whether it is a seed in the ground, a baby in the womb, or Jesus in the tomb, it starts in the dark. And this week, while we long for good news and joy, we are entering the darkness. We are sitting in Gethsemane with Jesus. They say that in a sermon, you should always point to the good news. And there has been some good news in neuroscience in recent decades. Neuroscientists have discovered something called plasticity. Now, plasticity of the brain is the ability that the human brain has to change throughout our lives. Plasticity does not mean plastic, what we think of when we hear that word plastic, something hard or inflexible, quite the opposite. Plasticity means that our brains are quite flexible. They are adaptable, rewirable. It's why physical therapy works. We used to think that if you damaged one part of your brain, say the part that controls the movement of your hands, that it would be permanent. But the good news of plasticity means that rewiring for renewed physical function is possible. Now, if Talia's story teaches us anything, it's that death is real. We cannot place our hope in plasticity. But I think there is good news in plasticity for us today to even consider the possibility that plasticity could restore function. We have to remember, we have to confront that some kind of function or health or wellness or wholeness has been lost. Plasticity assumes pain and loss. In our Gethsemane, in our personal, private Gethsemanes, we are met by a God who is familiar with pain and loss and brokenness. A God who stays awake, the only one in the story who stays awake to sorrow, the one who prays. I think that joy, that Easter joy, is found in the plasticity of our sorrow. It's a testimony to transformation. The Jesus who meets us in our darkness has the power to work wonder and beauty from the dark nights of our souls. Have you ever found it difficult to pray? You are not alone. While the world sleeps, Jesus is with you, and new life starts in the dark. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen.
Friends, having heard the word proclaimed to us this day, let us turn to our God the ways that we can, using our breath, using our prayers, using our words of faith. So please join me in your bulletin as we affirm what we believe using the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen.
Friends, let us pray. God of the cross, tottering down the streets of Jerusalem on a donkey, over cloaks and palms placed in your path, you are not the Savior we expect. Your power doesn't look like the power we want our God to have. Your wisdom makes no sense to us. We are happy to join the crowd waving branches, but not so sure we want to follow you into the week to come, into the temple courts, into the upper room, into the garden of Gethsemane, to the high priest's house, to Pilate, to Herod, to the place of the skull, to the foot of the cross. And so God, whose gracious love for us embraced that long and lonely journey to the cross, gather us close to you in these days to come when again we make this journey with you. Though we be fearful and hesitant, grant us clear vision, courageous hearts, persistent steps. Save us, O Lord, for your mercy is great. God, whose friends fell asleep to your pain in the garden, not once, not twice, but three times, we confess that in the midst of our own concerns, our own exhaustion, many of us have fallen asleep to the pain of your children in our midst. The hungry, the grieving, the homeless, the lonely. Many of us, O oh God, have fallen asleep to the pain and horror of gun violence, though as our world inches back toward normal, so does, it seems, the slaughter of innocents in grocery stores and spas. God of our lives, wake us up to the particular pain of those who are mourning, of those who suffer in silence. Wake us up to the hurt and trauma of our siblings in Christ who are of Asian and Pacific Island descent. May those who fear in these days be met with divine protection. May those who feel silenced in these days know that you are with them, praying with them, praying for them. May those of us who have fallen asleep be awakened to cravings for justice and peace and compassion and love. Lead us, O oh God, in the way of Christ, in the way of the one who prayed and prayed again and prayed again. Give us courage to take up your cross and in full reliance upon your grace to follow him. Help us to love you above all else, to love our neighbors as we love ourselves, demonstrating that love in deed and word by the power of your Spirit. Keep us from asking for mercy without offering it ourselves.
from praying for your kingdom but never working for it. In this week ahead, deepen our faith by your matchless grace. Deepen the measure of our gratitude and Christian obedience. Move us who have so much to share with others who have so little. Uphold us when we summon our courage to speak out for the alien and stranger within our gates, for those long denied dignity and freedom. Guard and guide us through these days of prayer and remembrance. Guard and guide us through all our days until we come at last to that day when all our days and journeys will be gathered into your eternity, and we shall be with you forever. O God, who taught us how to pray, O God, who prayed again and again and again, hear us now as we join in one voice, praying the prayer your Son taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Friends, as you go from this place, go knowing that there is no Gethsemane in your journey that Jesus does not know. And pray. Pray a prayer of anguish if that is all you have, but pray. And when God works wonder and beauty from your darkness, tell the world about it. And may the love of God, the power of Jesus' prayers, the faithfulness of the Holy Spirit go with you this day and forevermore. Amen. <laughs>